the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 161 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Rainy Monday morning here in the New York, New Jersey area, but we will come at you with some baseball news. Uh, and all in all, dude, I mean, great week for New York sports in general, I would say. Um, it was it was the rare occurrence where I would say the Giants and the Jets were universally praised in the first week of the draft. Uh, the Mets threw a combined no hitter. The Yankees haven't lost since we last recorded. We're riding a nine game winning streak. Great time to be a New York sports fan. I mean, I'm just trying to do some quick checking. Does my fantasy hockey victory count as great for New York sports or is that more of a personal? Do you have any New York players like one? I beat Noah. It's a great week for New York sports all around. Oh, that yeah. That means that I have to go be re-involved in my fan. How did my fantasy baseball team do? Uh, I have to pull it up. Give me one second. I know my team jumped up in the standings a bit. That was nice. Uh, your team is currently in. It was last for a while. Moved up to 11th in front of Noah. Tough week for Noah in fantasy sports. It's been a good week for everyone. Good week for New York sports. So we'll jump right into this week's show. Uh, we will start with our BravadaSportsbook.com picks of the week. Not a huge baseball slate today, but we will start with what should be the biggest game of the day. Uh, the Yanks going into Toronto. Jordan Montgomery on the mound for the Yanks. Ross Stripling for the Blue Jays. Minus one half, plus 132, minus 120 for the Yankees. Plus one half, plus 160, plus 102 for the Blue Jays. Now, before we make the pick, I'll ask you this. So this game is in Toronto. Obviously, we know of the vaccination standards there. So given that we haven't heard that the Yankees have placed anybody on the COVID list, do we think it's safe to assume that the rumors of Aaron Judge not being vaccinated were greatly exaggerated? Um. Yeah, I guess it, that is safe to say, but that does remind me, get these Yankee bets in, or, or the Blue Jays. I'm taking the Blue Jays tonight, and I'm going to take them now just in case those odds match. I'm going to take uh, the under of eight minus 102 in this. Both lineups are fantastic, but to me, this is as simple as it's a Jordan Montgomery start, and the Yankees do not score runs for Jordan Montgomery historically. And Alex Manoa is a very good pitcher. I also think getting the Blue Jays is home. As home underdogs, there's just that's there's great value in that one. Always, no, I can't argue with that. Uh, let's go across New York for the Mets game, another rivalry game. Mets Braves at City Field, another great pitching matchup. Max Fried on the bump for the Braves, Chris Bassett for the Mets, minus one and a half, plus 172, minus 106 for the Braves, plus one and a half, minus 210, minus 110 for the Mets. Uh, I'd go Mets minus 110 here. The Freed's been pitching well, but Bassett has really been, I think, the under-the-radar star for the Mets. You know, it was an under 
under the radar all-star in Oakland. I think most people probably only knew about him because he got hit in the head by a line drive and lived the pitch later that year. Uh, but he's been great. Max Fried's gotten hit a little bit his past two starts. And ultimately, this Braves lineup, even with Acuna back, they just haven't been hitting. Mets are hot. Ride the hot wave at home. I think City Field will be bumping. Go Mets. Uh, I, I I just have my certain betting principles. And we are staying away from the old it's due philosophy. That's one of our rules. Along with don't bet on the Cubs. That's just so I'm remembering my rules. Uh, but I'm going to take the Mets. It's a road game for Atlanta. They've been, they're going to travel. Mets riding high, like you said. And I, I, they just they hit. They put up 10 last night. They got team is good. Team hits, team pitches. Last game we are going to pick is going to be a strong pitching matchup. Um, and that's going to be the D-backs and the Marlins. Zach Gallon on the mound for the D-backs. Pablo Lopez, MLB's ERA leader for the Marlins. Plus one half, plus 134, or plus one half, minus 170, plus 134 for the D back, minus one half, plus 140, minus 158 for the Marlins. Uh, I'm going to go Marlins minus 158. I'll take another home team here. I think this is going to be a low scoring game, but I don't really trust either team's bullpen. Um, so give me of the two hot pitchers, the hotter pitcher, Pablo Lopez and the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, the Marlins are, the Marlins are sneaky hot. They, um, they're really they're winning a lot of games, which I don't think I saw coming this year. I think I was very off. Granted, it's early, but I'm pretty sure I had the Marlins finishing below the Nationals in the NL East, and that's looking very incorrect. Yeah, look, I mean, the young pitching staff, hey, Jesus Lusardo is so far pitching like the pitcher that everyone thought he was going to be in Oakland. Um, and again, young pitching can take you a long way with just a little bit of offense, and it seems like that's been the recipe in Miami so far. Uh, we will go over to the standings now. And we're a month into the season. So, you know, that's only 20, 22 games, but uh, you know, that's an eighth of the year, give or take is down now. Um, so you don't want to make any grand declarations, but you have an idea of what teams are looking like. Um, and Bryce coming into the year, what were the Bavada odds for the Yankees to finish with the best record in the AL? Any idea? Or you want to, you want to guesstimate that one? It was probably plus, it was probably plus 450. I mean, the Yankee odds are always tamped down. And there's probably that. I mean, Toronto, I think, was a runaway preseason favorite to do it. I feel like it was probably Toronto, the White Sox, because of the division, then us. Mm-hmm. But a month in, Yankees have the best record in the American League, first place in the East, AL East, uh, 16 and 6 record. Also have the best run differential in baseball, plus 41. Blue Jays only a game and a half back, 15 and 8. Rays, Red Sox, Orioles rounding out the division there. Uh, two things I want to talk about in the division. One, with this Yankees team, uh, Katie Sharp tweeted out Saturday, the Yankees so far have nine sacrifice flies this year, uh, which is second in baseball. They didn't have a single one through 21 games last year. And it seems like that, and again, prisoner of the moment, moment here, given we're on a nine-game winning streak, but it just seems like that's been the main mm-hmm. difference in this team this year is just productive outs. I know that sounds dumb, but. Can I, I know it's very early on a Monday morning, Chase. Can I kill, can I kill the mood? Sure. Like let's, um, yeah, it's been great to see the Yankees win a lot of these games lately. They got to be good teams, but these games, it's still really early. And in the grand scheme of things, it's, I mean, if you want to compare it to an NFL and 10 game winning streak in baseball, that's one football game. No, I, I totally agree. I think the difference and, is, but no, but that was the point. Look, I mean, you said these games are against the guardians. 
the Orioles and the Royals. And these are games be. they lose last year. It's as simple as that. I, again, you, there's some of these. This is supposed to happen. It's been cool. It's been fun. But let's see. We got a big series in Toronto. If you want to feel good about, if Toronto goes up, if we can't win a game in Toronto. The last. I think my big my big takeaway too for the Yankees is the rotations look great. Cole's working on a twelve inning scoreless streak, back to back scoreless outings. Um, bullpen is as deep as ever, but really, I mean, Jeff Nelson went on MLB Network yesterday and compared uh, Mike King to what Mariano was like in '96 in terms of the shutdown multi inning guy. I'm not going to jump the shark that much, but King's been a special weapon. Uh, it's been great to have him. And then looking down in the AL East a bit. Um, what to make of the Red Sox? You know, I think we were both a little bit down on their pitching coming into the year, but I, I think we're seeing the reality where if this team doesn't hit, it's going to be tough for them to win games this year just because the rotation. Well, Red Sox fans are already, I I mean, Story didn't make it a month. But Red Sox fans are so out on Trevor Story, but realistically, that's the guy with the potential. If he turns it around, then they're going to be able to match him. Yeah, because the big three right Devers, Devers, Bogarts, and JD are doing their job. I think part of the reason maybe they turned on Story is because they see him as their you know potential replacement to Bogarts, who's rightfully a beloved figure there in Boston. But yeah, I mean, if they don't hit, it's it's again this is the reality of rolling the dice with. Avaldi's been great. Avaldi took a no-hitter deep into a game yesterday. But then behind him, a young, unproven, unvaccinated Tanner Hawk. And then Rich Hill, Michael Walker. Sure, Chase. Well, it's true, though. He had to miss a start against Toronto. It's one of the biggest starts of the year for them. Yeah, no, it's bad. It's bad. You know, Michael Walker, they're waiting on James Paxson to become come back. The bullpen has a lot of names, but, you know, the names Matt Barnes, Jake Diekman, uh, who's the other lefty they have right now? I'm drawing a total blank. Matt Strom. It's like none of those names jump off the page where, oh, my God, those are the great late inning options, you know? No, I mean, they're not – they're a boomer bust offense, and they're pitching – they just don't have it. Like they, they, they just don't have it. They need they're, – they they're missing a, a, a piece. They, they don't have the right – they don't have a winning roster. That's AL Central. Bad. AL Central, Twins in first, 13-9. and nine. Guardians, White Sox, Royals, Tigers rounding out that division there. Uh, Twins, the only team above 500 there. And too early to tell, but shades of the 2019 Bomba squad on this team where they're just going to hit the shit out of the ball. I mean, well, look, they still have a healthy Buxton. And if you, you have the healthy Buxton, you're going to be okay. Well, I think it even goes further than that, though. Larissa Reyes is an on-base machine. Max Kepler's hitting again. He's hit a couple home runs this week. Uh, and Rocco Modelli is putting all the right pieces together. Unfortunately, the, uh, the the luck for Dylan Bundy ran out this week a bit. I think he gave up six runs in his latest start. Yeah, that was bound to happen. I mean, Correa hasn't really hit. No. Wait, I'm looking at his numbers bad. Correa's got one one homer, eight RBIs, and he's hit 256. Yeah, but you know as it heats up, he's going to heat up. He's that no, I agree. Away. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, this team has room to grow. Like, I, I'm very, I, I'd be very happy if I was a Twins fan. Yeah. And, and if I'm a White Sox fan, I'm starting not to worry, but I'm, you know, biting the fingernails a bit, uh, only because the lineup is so young and deep. But Eloy's hurt, Andrew Vaughn's hurt. It seems like everyone's always getting hurt. And on the pitching side of things, you know, Giolito's back, but Keiko and Corbin are two former all-star lefties who arguably are the two worst starters in baseball this year. I know they don't have Patrick Corbin. I'm just looping them in with Dallas Keuchel. 
Um, behind him, Lance Lynn's hurt. You know, Cease is somewhat inconsistent. Kopesh is young. Uh, all the potential is still there, but it has not been pretty so far for Tony Larusa. I feel like there's too much talent to get the for this team to be bad. I just think the lineup's too deep. I mean, once they get everyone back, they'll be they'll be fine. But yeah, rough start. I mean, I what, what is this? Larusa's last year, you think? Unless they make it to the World Series, I would I would I think you have to go younger. I think he they had to go younger the first time. I mean, that was a weird high last year. Just another time Rick Renteria got screwed. And then the AL West, Bryce's second favorite West Coast team behind the Astros. Astros aren't really West Coast, but they play in the West, so I'm gonna loop them in there. Uh the Angels in first, 15 and 8, Mariners in second, 12 and 10, Astros, A's, Rangers rounding that division there. Let's give some love to the Angels. The pitching's been very solid. Michael Lorenzen, good offseason pickup. Um, not Suarez. Who's who's their other left? Pablo Sandoval's the changeup looks fantastic. He's been great for them. Syndergaard uh, got sick this week, but he's been pitching great. But let's just give a shout out. To me, this is as simple as it is. Uh, if you forgot about who Mike Trout was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm I still don't have him in the Hall of Fame because he hasn't won a playoff game. But I mean, he's just the best player in baseball. Yeah, I actually at 3.30 in the morning last night was taking a dump and almost at that point bet on uh, Bavada for Mike Trout to win the MVP at plus 7.50. What what stopped you? (laughs) I would have had to load money into my account. It was a lot for my brain to be a little bit fuzzy at, you know, 3.30 in the morning taking a poop, but I will uh, most likely do it today. You should. I mean, he's – I mean, it seems like they're – I mean, their pitching – they finally have a functioning pitching staff. Moving to the National League, NL East, you have the Mets in first, 16 and 7, Marlins, Phillies, Braves, Nats riding out that division there. Um, yeah, I mean, we gave pra- praise to the Mets, but it's amazing. They don't have the best pitcher in the world, and their starting pitching really hasn't missed a beat. And you can see this team, I mean, after the Cardinals brawl last week, too, which we'll touch on in a little, they got a chip on their shoulder. They're getting hit left and right, but these guys are ready to go to war with each other. I think Bucks got them ready to jump through a wall. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like my LaRusa commentary may not be about it may be LaRusa specific because Buck is exactly what this Mets team needed. Well, and Dusty got the Astros back to a World Series last year. The LaRusa has always been different. Buck and Dusty are way more likable figures. Yeah, I mean you can just see Buck's got this team focused and ready to rock. Again, it's April. The Mets historically are one of the best April teams every year, but I think this, this team feels is different. Legit. I think this team's legit. Yeah, no, this one, they're, they're, they're going to be really good. NL Central, Brewers in first, 15 and 8. Cardinals, Cubs, Pirates, Reds, rounding out the division there. Going to focus on the top and the bottom here. This Reds team, 3 and 19. Uh, I think we knew they were going to be bad. I don't think anybody thought the wheels were going to fall off this quickly. I mean, they are not even competitive. Sad. It's just sad. Like, I don't know. This isn't a functioning baseball team. Like, it's, what are they, 3 and 19? Three and nineteen, and they would have made the playoffs last year with the expanded playoffs, and they did make the playoffs two years ago. It's not like this was a team that was bad the past couple of years. This is just pathetic. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about them anymore. They're, they're yeah, just like, I, I feel for Votto in the twilight of his career, even though he's hitting one fifty something and is not part of the solution. But just he's not. He's definitely part of the problem. And uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. I've decided that if I was Craig Council, how I would manage uh, this game would be. You know the pitching is going to be great every week, every game, every start. Just pick out of a hat and say, you and you, you need to provide the offense today. Just figure it out. 
And yesterday was a great example. That Burns pitches against the Cubs, seven innings, two runs. I think he struck out 11, walked run, walked one. You know, another dominant start. They lost 2 nothing. They got shut out. It's just for this Brewers team, it's, you just find a way to scrap two or three runs a game and your pitching will figure it out. It is that good. I mean, it's I. this is three years in a row now where Burns is proven to be that elite guy. I mean, he's not a fluke Cy Young winner. Yeah, you know, I think there's always going to be people that say he's a fluke Cy Young winner last year, the old school, old, old school baseball guys, just because he only threw 100, I think, 57. I didn't like that, but, I mean, he has the talent. It's not a – Oh, no, he's, he's legit. After the first start of the year when he walked – God forbid he walked two batters in the first inning after what he did last year, going 58 got strikeouts before a walk, but – yeah, he uh, righted the ship pretty quickly and looks every bit the ace in the reigning Cy Young. I mean, if the season ends today, he probably wins the Cy Young again. Not Kershaw? It's probably him, Kersh. Scherzer's 4 0. Scherzer. 5 0? Scherzer or Pablo Lopez, even though he will get no love because of Miami. But no, good for Burns. I just, I like, I like the Burns story. NL West, Dodgers in first, 14 and seven. Padres in second, or Padres and Dodgers tied for first. Padres are 15 or eight. Giants, Rockies, D backs rounding out the division there. We're just going to keep saying what we're going to keep saying. It's going to be a fun year in the NL West. Yeah, I, I get it. It shocks me every week. The Giants are this good. Moving to the league leader side of things, uh, your run scored leader, Mookie Betts with 21. Hits leader, Manny Machado, your boy, 33. Uh, another great pick. I think the uh, Machado value for MVP was like plus 1,500. I liked it before the season. He was on my short list with Pujols. Doubles leaders, Yuli Gurriel, Owen Miller, and Matt Olson with nine apiece. Triples leader, Jazz Chisholm with three. Uh, home run leader, fueled by a big week. He's going to be one of our players of the week shortly. Anthony Rizzo, nine home runs. RBI leader, God, Jose Ramirez is 28 ribbies already. What an absolute stud. I mean, it's a great contract for Cleveland. Walks leader, Juan Soto. This is where Juan Soto is so valuable. He's hitting 262, but because he's walked 21 times, uh, he still has a 415 on base. Stolen base leader, Julio Rodriguez with nine. Average leader, 382, Eric Hosmer. Hosmer and Machado, just a couple of high-paid Padres leading the league in hitting. Uh, OBP leader, Trout, 481. Slugging leader, 766, also Trout. And your OPS leader, if you were following along at all, 1.247 is Mike Trout. Uh, pitching side of things, we're introducing a new category this week. This is a big one. Uh, your wins leader at four apiece, Adam Silver, Simber, Logan Gilbert, Alec Manoa, T T Tyler Meagle, Joe Musgrove, Max Scherzer, ERA leader with 0.39 ERA, Pablo Lopez. Complete games and shutouts. We have our first one. Drum roll, please. Walker Bueller. I mean, that was probably one of the Bavada favorites to lead, to have the first complete game shutout of the season. The only thing holding him back would have been Roberts. Walker Bueller against the D-backs Tuesday, the first complete game and shutout in Major League Baseball this year in the Dodgers 4-0 win. Three hits, struck out 10 over nine dominant innings. Uh, he, you know, had a fairly high pitch count in the eighth. He had 98 pitches. Um, Bueller walked into the dugout and said to Dave Roberts, I'm not coming out of this game. Ten pitch ninth inning. First shutout of the year there. Uh, congratulations to Walker Bueller. Saves leader so far is Jordan Romano with 11. I mean, it, is it too early given the Blue Jays are going to be good in Romano's efficiency to say K-Rod 62 is on the table? It's on the table. I mean, he had 11 saves the first month. Not even the first month of the year. Yeah, it was a condensed first month. 
Just say that about that. I mean, he can run into a problem where the Blue Jays just start really mashing and win every game by five. Yeah, he needs his team to not be a juggernaut when they play the Orioles and uh, who's uh, who's like the awesome. other and the Red Sox. Sure, innings pitch leader Boo earns thirty two and two thirds. Strikeout leader also Burns at forty three. Your WHIP leader at point six nine. Your Cy Young pick Justin Verlander, average against leader at one thirty two. Joe Ryan of the Twins. Uh, so we'll jump right into the rest of our players of the week. So I just mentioned the Brewers pitching. Uh, you know, everyone knows about the big three, Burns, Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, but Eric Lauer has arguably been the best of all of them. Uh, he followed up a 13-strikeout performance on Sunday Night Baseball with 11 strikeouts over seven innings and a 9-1 win over the Cubs on Saturday. Um, Lauer is the second left-hander in Brewers history to strike out 10 or more consecutive bat- or 10 or more batters and consecutive starts. His ERA is 1.93, and the only other starters to have struck out 10 or more consecutive starts this year are his teammate Corbin Burns and Max Scherzer. So some pretty solid company. Uh, and, man, if they have a fourth ace, the rich just get richer, I guess. I mean, that seems to be the, the trend in sports. There's the clear has and have-nots, and baseball epitomizes it better than any other, any other league. So let's talk about a guy that when the Yankees didn't sign Freddie Freeman – I'll admit I love Anthony Rizzo, but I was a little bummed we quote unquote settled on Rizzo. But man, he delivered his first curtain call moment at Yankee Stadium this week. Uh, three home runs against the Orioles on Tuesday night in a 12-8 victory. His third home run had an expecting batting average based on launch angle and exit velo of 10. Uh, but nonetheless, his nine home runs lead the majors. He's a 30-30 Yankee to hit three or more homers in this, in a single game. Uh, he had a three-run homer in the third, two-run homer in the fifth, and then an eighth-inning home run off of Alexander Wells. Uh, after that game, he had hit as many home runs on the year eight as the Orioles had as a season. Uh, his three home runs that night had an average distance of 350 feet, the shortest average distance in a three-plus homer game tracked by StatCast since 2015. He's the fourth Yankee with six-plus runs, four-plus homers, and eight-plus RBIs in any two-game span, joining Gio Urshela, Alfonso Soriano, and Tony Lazari. Uh, based on Fangraph's Fangraph war, uh, that game was worth 0.5 war. Uh, and in 49 games, the Yankee last year, Rizzo was worth 0.4 war. Uh, so an awesome game for Rizzo. And so far, he has proven he is an absolutely perfect fit for that short porch in right field. Well, he's the lefty. That makes it kind of flows the other Joey way. Gallo's a lefty. Well, Joey Gallo, when he hits the ball, it tends to go far. But the problems are it usually goes – Right to somebody, and he yeah, you can't hit a home run unless you put the ball in play. Yeah. So shout out to Rizzo. Big week for the Brewers. Also got to give a shout out to Willie Adamas. Uh, this week against the Pirates, two row, two home runs, four hits, three extra base hits, franchise tying record, uh, seven RBIs, and the Brewers' twelve eight win over the Pirates on Tuesday. Uh, we talked about how Mike Trout is still the best player in baseball. Uh, he became the third player in Angels history to 50 career triples. Uh, and this came on a check swing off of Shane Bieber. Only trap. I mean, he can't do anything wrong. No, can do no wrong. Uh, and the last shout out I want to give, Ronald Acuna is back. He's back from the torn ACL. He came back, I thought, you know, fairly early, but obviously they wouldn't clear him unless he was healthy. Uh, came back Thursday night. Hasn't hit a ton, but it's unbelievable. The guy tears his ACL and probably comes back and has a two-steal game. Yeah, sometimes you get, like, the cool, the fun story where he hits the homer. But actually using your speed after an ACL injury, that's, that's, that's nice. So welcome back, Ronald. Always great when one of the young faces of baseball come back. Uh, and a big moment in New York sports. That's what we led the show with. 
I mean, if you had said coming into the season that uh, Tyler Meagle would be leading a no-hit effort with Drew Smith, Seth Lugo, Jolie Rodriguez, and Edwin Diaz, uh, the Bavada odds would have probably been off the board. Would you agree? Off the board, yes. But nonetheless, um, Meagle led the second no-hitter in Met history, the five pitchers combined uh, for the no-hitter and a 3-0 victory over the Phillies on Friday, the 315th no-hitter in Major League history. Uh, it ended with an Edwin Diaz strikeout of uh, JT Realmuto. Diaz struck out the side in the ninth inning. Diaz pumped his fist, let out a scream, and allowed his teammates to absolutely tackle him and go crazy. Uh, Shout-out to my buddy Will Richardson. He's a big Phillies fan. He was at City Field Friday for his birthday and saw his team get no hit. I told him glass half full. Hey, at least you got to see a no hitter. It sucks game against your own team, though. Um, it would be if I went to a Yankee game and they got no hit, I would be very happy. Yeah, you still get to see a no hitter. There's been 315 of these ever. Um, and again, this was a very 2022 no hitter. Uh, Meagle had inconsistent control, needed 88 pitches to complete five innings after walking three. Uh, the no hit catch of the game, quote unquote, was Brandon Nemo's diving catch in the third inning to Rob Wansagura of his uh, hit. Um, of the 315 no-hitters at the highest level in Major League Baseball, only 17 have been combined efforts. Only 27 have had at least six walks. And this one checked uh, both alternative boxes while also requiring 159 pitches, the most of any no-hitters since pitch counts became available in 1987. Uh, Smith, then from there, he struck out four of the five batters he faced and departed to a standing ovation. Rodriguez came in. Uh, he induced a double play on the next pitch after walking somebody. Uh, and then in the eighth inning, Lugo takes the ball. Five pitches, two outs. Diaz comes in, crowd of 32,000s on his feet. It was black jersey Friday at City Field. Energy was high. Strikes out the side. No hitters complete. Um, I guess real quick, before we get into the fun like statistics of this, we have a friend, Sam Cooperman, who is very adamant that this isn't considered a no hitter. You and I kind of talked about it. He's like, oh, it was a game with no hits. To me, I get it. It seems a little petty. I know it's not the traditional hitter. It's a no hitter, though. Um, look, uh, it, it's a it, this type of no hitter is kind of annoying, you know. It's like, yeah, he's um, like, it's not, it's just not, it doesn't have the same feel watching one guy do something awesome, but it is the it's more about a reflection of the other team. I'd say that this one's more the Phillies got no hit, it puts the Mets through it. I think that's a fair observation. Although I do think with five pitchers to come in, I almost think there's something to be said about that being not equally impressive because obviously a guy going nine innings and just shoving is more impressive. But the fact that no pitcher faltered and made it work, um, obviously with a no hitter, you know, you could have walks and errors. So it's a di much different conversation than a perfect game. But yeah, I think that's fair that it's more of a Phillies didn't get a hit than the Mets threw a no hitter. Um, but the no hitter keeps because it's not one. It's not one guy just dominating, being super on top of his craft. It's just the team being at the plate. The no hitter came 28 years and 237 days after the last no hitter Buck Showalter managed, which was Jim Abbott's no hitter in September '93. That's the second largest gap between sequential no hitters managed, trailing only Connie Mack's 29 year gap. The Mets entered the day with an MLB leading 700 winning percentage. This was the fourth time in the divisional era since 1969, a team leading the majors in winning percentage through a no-hitter. The last time it happened was May 1998 when David Wells threw a perfect game for the Yankees. This was the 20th time the Phillies had been no-hit, tied for the Dodgers for the most, being, most times being no-hit in baseball history. 
this was the second no-hitter caught by James McCann. He also caught Lucas Giolito's no-hitter. And the first time Joe Girardi managed a team that was no-hit, uh, he caught two no-hitters for his career uh, when he was a catcher in his career. And he's now the fifth individual to manage a team that had a no-hitter uh, and manage a team that got no-hit and play catcher in a game in which his team completed a no-hitter in his career. So Joe Girardi is a no-hitter Hall of Famer now as a catcher. Uh, all in all, weird no-hitter for the Mets, but congratulations. You waited a very long time and ruined the Hall of Famer's elbow to get the first one. Glad you didn't have to wait quite as long for the second one. Yeah, I, now that I think I, the Yankees do this, I'm I'm taking full credit for it. Hundred percent. We just you know we like to bust Mets fans' balls. But I don't. I prefer like the Mad Bum seven inning no hitter last year more than a team no hitter. It's all just so hard. Yeah, I mean, it's just really bad at work by the Phillies, who actually are kind of turning their thing around after that four game streak. What what do you what would you consider this is this is maybe a dumb arbitrary question but what's like the minimum amount of pitchers for you think I mean the obvious answer is one but if somebody goes eight and they turn it over to the closer in the ninth would that still be considered a no hitter That's pathetic too Burns did that last year and I was very angry That was Burns to hater right Yeah All right so we'll move along to another former ace. Um, and hopefully this is the last time we're talking about him for a little bit, uh, but that's Trevor Bauer. Uh, I, I mean, the league absolutely dropped the hammer on this guy. You know, to be 100% honest, I think the Bavada odds of the suspension we're about to talk about getting reduced is pretty high. Uh, I think he's going to win his appeal. Yeah, I think I'll win his appeal, but we'll, we'll give our commentary on it. Rob Manfred announced Friday that Trevor Bauer has a 324-game suspension, two full seasons worth of games effective immediately. Uh, the uh, suspension is effective as of Friday, rather than being retroactive from the point Bauer was placed on administrative leave. Uh, so all told, we're looking at a suspension that, you know, totals well over 400 games. Um, and he will be suspended without pay through April 2024. Bauer unsurprisingly announced he intends to appeal the commissioner's decision, tweeting in the strongest possible terms, I deny committing any violation of the league's domestic violence and sexual assault policy. I'm appealing this action and expect to prevail as we have throughout this process, my representatives and I respect and respect the confidentiality of this proceedings. The Dodgers said today we were informed that MLB has concluded its investigation and the allegations that have been made against Trevor Bauer and the commissioners uh, issued his decision regarding the discipline. The Dodgers organization takes all allegations of this nature very seriously and does not condone or excuse any acts of domestic violence or sexual assault. We've cooperated fully with MLB's investigation since it began, and we fully support MLB's joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy and the right to appeal the commissioner's decision. Therefore, we will not comment further until the process is complete. Bauer was originally placed on administrative leave on July 14, 2021, in the wake of sexual assault allegations from a California woman who filed a temporary ex part restraining order against him. For months, Bauer remained in limbo as the legal process played out. Um, but in August, an L.A. Superior Court judge uh, denied a restraining order to the victim. Uh, and this past February, the L.A. District Attorney's Office announced that criminal charges would not be brought forth. Um, Bauer announced this week he does have a defamation lawsuit against the accuser. 
He'd been on administrative leave throughout the first several weeks of the 2022 season as Manfred and his office conducted their own investigation into the matter. Uh, the league opted not to begin conducting their investigation until the outcome of legal proceedings were known, which has regularly been the case in past instances involving the joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. Uh, but the suspension for Bauer is the longest ever handed out under that policy, which does not grant the commissioner's office the authority to unilaterally impose discipline, even in the absence of criminal charges. Sorry, it does do that. Uh, in essence, the Bauer suspension absolves the Dodgers of the remaining commitment owed to Bauer, signed a three-year, $102 million contract in the 2020 to 2021 season. That could change depending on the ap appeal. Another interesting wrinkle in this is that a Columbus woman has come forward with more assault allegations with the Dodgers, uh, with Dodgers pitchers Trevor Bauer. Speaking with the Washington Post, the women claim Bauer had assaulted her during sex on multiple occasions between 13 and 14. Uh, this woman did uh did cooperate with MLB's investigation. The league is aware of her statements. Uh, she's just going public now for the first time. And, you know, for a multitude of reasons there, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, Manford dropped the hammer, you know, in the past we've seen suspensions under the domestic violence policy. I think Herman got what 80 games Chapman got 30 Ozuna and Osuna, I think both got 80. So this is a real precedent center. Uh, what are your thoughts on this entire thing? I think Bauer is going to win his appeal, but I think that the I, I think Bauer needs more. And I said my whole stance all along is that Bauer needs help beyond something that uh beyond beyond the major league suspension. But what should probably is going to happen is he'll get that appeal, but he'll win the appeal without any formal charges going against him. Uh, he won't get it. He won't get eliminated, but he'll get it reduced. And then I just think the Dodgers will rid themselves of him entirely, and he will no longer. And I don't think another team touches him. I think we're done with Trevor Bauer in the major leagues. Yeah, I think we're done with Bauer in the major leagues too. I think the Dodgers can exhale now, knowing that you know they're at least off the hook for this guy. You know, they were paying a lot of money for a guy essentially not to pitch last year. I I just think that my two takeaways from this are one. You know, I, I think it's very obvious that Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball, as much as I hate to give Bauer any credence to the shit he says, they have it out for Bauer a bit. Um, because you look at the guys we just named, you know, Chapman shot bullets in the direction of a significant other. Yeah. Uh, Ozuna was arrested for domestic violence. Uh, and Herman basically punched his wife in the face in front of an MLB official. The most any of those guys is half a season. Uh, so for Bauer to get two years for absolutely terrible but based on the records consensual sex you know look i think you hit the nail on the head bauer needs help outside of baseball but a two-year suspension for this based on precedent which is usually what these suspensions are built upon I, I think there's no way he does it when this appeal based on historical record i i so yeah that's where i stand i mean i think we're done talking about bauer on the show until that appeals finished and he wins it but again the point's going to remain He's just done. What No team can bring him in. Yep, he's toxic. Uh, let's focus to a positive. Let's talk about Trevor Bowers, former teammate. The King, Clayton Kershaw. After striking out Spencer Torkelson in the fourth inning of the Dodgers' 5-1 loss on Saturday night, he walked around the mound for a few seconds and tipped his cap to the sold-out crowd. Austin Burns made sure to secure the baseball. His teammates were clapping all around him, and that is because he's now the Dodgers' all-time strikeout leader. 2,697 strikeouts past Hall of Famer down Don Sutton for the record. Sutton had held the record for the Dodgers since 1979 when he passed Hall of Famer Don Drysdale. Kershaw had seven strikeouts in six innings Saturday, raising his career total to 2,700 and becoming the 26th pitcher in ALNL history to reach that number. Needed four strikeouts to pass Sutton coming into Saturday. 
struck out Robbie Grossman to start the game. Uh, he tied Sutton after striking out Dustin Garneau in the third on a curveball. Crowd gave him a huge standing O, and he accomplished the feat at Dodger Stadium, where he has 1,465 career strikeouts in his career. Journey to Sonnen's number started May 25th, 2008. He struck out seven batters in his major league debut, including the first batter he faced as a hitter, Skip Schumacher. Uh, he has 66-10 strikeout games, including a 13-strikeout performance against the Twins earlier this year. Uh, per Stats by Stats, he's the first MLB pitcher to go undefeated with 30-plus strikeouts, two or, fewer, two or fewer walks, and a sub-200 average opponent average over his first four starts of the season since Christy Mathewson did it in 1908. Uh, this is just our way of saying, look, congrats to Clayton Kershaw, one of the best on and off the field. We know that. And this is just another, you know, another uh, feather in the cap of one of the greatest pitchers that we'll ever see. I mean, the thing with Kershaw is I think he's a classic. Rumors of his demise were exaggerated. Big time. His problem has just been staying healthy, which usually his injuries occur around the June, July mark. So let's hope he's, if he avoids that, he has every, I mean, why don't you take if you're gonna do all your awards bets, throw some uh, throw some money up, give Bavada some money for Kershaw. Oh yeah, no no reason not to throw some money on Kershaw. Uh, and real quick, I want to take this time to look at an article that I've had stashed for a couple of weeks, a list. Uh, that's every team's career strikeout leader. Um, I'm not gonna do the obvious ones like Jim Palmer or you know even like Pettit for the Yankees, but just for some fun ones, uh, Dave Steep for the Blue Jays, I would consider a fun one. Who do you think the Rays' career strikeout leader is? Garza. Big game James, James Shields. Interesting. Roger Clemens for the Red Sox, Pettit for the Yanks, Bob Feller for the Guardians, Kevin Apier for the Royals, Mickey Lolich for the Tigers, Walter Johnson for the Twins slash Senators, Billy Pierce for the White Sox. Angels, who do you got? Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, good call. Eddie Plank for the A's, Nolan Ryan again for the Astros, King Felix for the Mariners, Charlie Huff, the knuckleballer for the Rangers. Smolty for the Braves, outlasted Glavin and Maddox there. Marlins, who you got? Ooh, this one's tough. Can I get three guesses? Sure. I'll get Josh Johnson. Nope. I'll go Kevin Brown. Nope. AJ Burnett. Ricky Nolasco. Interesting. Mets, Tom Terrific, Tom Seaver, Strasburg for the Nats, Steve Carlton for the Phillies. Uh, Brewers, this is a funny one. Brewers, Ben Sheets. Giovanni Gallardo. Gallardo was pretty good for a while. Bob Gibson for the Cardinals. Fergie Jenkins for the Cubs. Bob Friend. You can always use a friend in Bob for the Pirates. Jim Maloney for the Reds. The big unit, Randy Johnson for the D-backs. Kershaw for the Dodgers. Christy Matthews and Giants. Uh, Jorge De La Rosa for the Rockies. I wasn't even going to ask you that one because neither of us would have guessed it. And the Padres, to wrap this up, is... Is this one Kevin Brown? Nope. Think of a guy we saw. Saw his entire career. Peavy. So one thing I always remember about Jake Peavy is his fiery intensity on the mound. Uh, and intensity kind of took over in a Mets-Cardinals game this week. And, and I want to get your take just kind of on who was right and who was wrong. There were a few suspensions. Uh, so on Tuesday nights, 3-0 win over the Cardinals. First of all, Chris Bassett made some waves by saying 
um, that the reason that the Mets have been plunked a league leading 18 times was the baseball saying they are all different. Said it's extremely annoying to see your teammates constantly get hit. And if you get hit by certain pitches, it is what it is. Uh, but to get hit in the head, the amount we're getting hit is unbelievable. I had some close calls tonight and I've been hit in the face by a line drive. And I don't want to see that to anybody ever. But Major League Baseball has a big problem with the baseballs. They're bad. Everyone in the league knows it. Every pitcher knows that they're bad. They don't care. MLB doesn't give a damn about it. And they don't care. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, if anybody could give credence to the balls, I think, unfortunately, it's Bassett, given he's taking a liner off the head. Yeah, I mean, I, they're bad for everyone. Like, I'm sure he's right. I I don't really see – I mean, getting hit getting hit from a comeback is different than getting hit in the face. I don't think what's happening to the Mets – I mean, obviously, the comebackers aren't intentional. I don't think people are throwing at the Mets on purpose. I think if you actually like look through their lineup, these are guys who have a history of getting hit by a bunch of pitches. Mark Kahana, I think, has led baseball and hits by pitch over the past three, four years. Like, so this isn't – it's actually not as crazy as it thinks, as it seems, but I see why you get angry if you get hit in the face with a baseball. So that kind of escalated this week um, into Wednesday after a six-Mets player in an already contentious series was hit by a pitch. J.D. Davis took a ball off the ankle in the eighth inning. Nolan Arenado knew what was coming before he stepped into the batter's box. So did Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol. Uh, but Yoan Lopez, 94 mile per hour, 94, when his 94 miles per hour first pitch came high and inside, Arenado took exception to the pitch that he deemed to be dangerous and challenged the Mets pitcher verbally. Soon after, both benches clear. Uh, the Mets were understandably irate after six of their hitters got plunked, most notably Pete Alonso in the head. Um, so they didn't think Arnado had any right to get chirpy. Meanwhile, the Cardinals were frustrated because of their first three-game skid series loss of the season. They had an edge in Wednesday's 10-5 win. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, chaos ensued. The bench is cleared. Reliever scaled the outfield wall. Alonzo was flung to the ground by Cardinals first base coach Stubby Clapp and reliever Genesis Cabrera. Uh, all, all told, Clapp, um, Nolan Arenado, as well as uh, Yoan Lopez, the pitcher, they all got suspended. Uh, Arenado said after Davis got hit in the ankle, that was kind of the last draw for them. I had a feeling it was coming. Uh, the more, you know, that was more of the problem of the pitch being up and in. I get what's going in on the series and it's part of the game. I don't know how close it was, but it felt close. Uh, Pete Alonzo, he was absolutely irate. Uh, he was more irate at Cabrera pulling him down while the two sides were shoving each other and drawing in the middle of the diamond saying, Genesis, Genesis Cabrera pulled me by the back of the collar and then he just ripped me down. Thought it was kind of cheap going from behind. If you want to hold me back, if you want to restrain me, go at me like a man. I'm a big, strong guy, and obviously the manager wants protection for his team and his staff. I totally get it. I'm a big, strong guy. They don't know my temper. They don't know what I can do. If I wanted to put someone in the hospital, I easily could, but it was just I was just out there trying to protect my guys. All-time quote from Pete there. Um, I guess I've, I've, I have a couple of comments on this. The first is, like you said, I get why the Mets are frustrated. You get hit that many times to start the year, even if I think many were unintentional. Frustrations are going to boil over there. Um, I also get Nolan Arenado's side. Look, a lot of people think I'm in the wrong here. And was the pitch close to him? No. You know, it was high and tight. It wasn't that close to his head. But if you want to make a statement, you hit a guy in the thigh, you throw it behind him. You don't go 94 miles per hour anywhere near the head. Uh, so I agree Arenado had a right to be pissed here. I also think the Cardinals handled yeah. it wrong on some level too. When, you know, Stubby Clapp, their first base coach, is tackling Pete Alonzo. That also can't happen. I think both sides were in the wrong here. No, you can't. Re retaliation with hitting people in baseball shouldn't happen. That's, That's all it comes down to. Everyone this week is saying, oh, well, there's no other way to retaliate. It's not a physical sport. You got to send a message. No, you fucking don't. Stop throwing baseballs 95 plus at people where someone yeah, can get hurt. It's so simple. No, it's, really yeah, it's really dangerous. Uh, but I think, so I think hitting Arenado in the face was, you can't hit him in the face. 
I think if he had just thrown a heater at Arnado's thigh, Arnado goes to first base and this never happens because he I, understood what was coming. Yep, that's how it works. That's how it's that if we, for the unwritten rule people, that's the unwritten rule. And it's such a dumb thing where it's like Lopez almost hits Arnado in the face and his teammates are high-fiving and hugging him. It's just sad that baseball has progressed in so many ways and we're still at the payback phase of the game. Yeah, that's not good. That but needs to show. Fortunately, everybody was healthy, so it's all good there. Uh, staying in New York, the famous Yankees letter was finally unsealed. This was a letter Rob Manfred sent to the Yankees on September 14th, 2017. Uh, I'm going to just power through the letter real quick. It said, Dear Brian, on August 23rd, 2017, the New York Yankees filed a formal complaint and requested that the officers of the, Com- Office of the commissioner conduct a full and complete investigation concerning the illegal use of electronic equipment in-game by the Boston Red Sox in order to steal signs and gain an illegal advantage in the game. As a result of the Yankees' complaint, I directed the department investigations to interview a number of employees of the Red Sox and the Yankees in connection to this matter. Based on this information we received, I've concluded the Red Sox violated on-field regulation 1-2A by using electronic equipment for the purpose of stealing signs or conveying information designed to give a club an advantage. I will address the violation of the on-field regu- regulation directly with the Red Sox. During our investigation into the Red Sox misconduct, uh, it was informed the Department of Investigations that the Yankees used a similar scheme to the Red Sox um, to decode opposing club signs and relay to them the relay them to the batter when the runner was on second base. Blank, who initially noticed the Red Sox were using smartwatch to pass information to their players, admitted to the Department of Investigations that during the 2015 season and the first half of the 2016 season, Blank provided information about opposing club signs to players and members of the coaching staff in the replay room at Yankee Stadium, who then physically relayed the information to the Yankees' dugout. Blank also admitted during that same time period in certain stadiums on the road where the video room was not proximate to the dugout, Blank used the phone line in the replay room to orally provide real-time information about a closing club signs to Yankee coaches on the bench. Um, yada, yada, yada. Uh, on-field personnel in the dugout may not discuss any issue with individuals in their video review room uh, using the dugout phone, and they cannot use the dugout phone other than whether to challenge or play subject to video replay review. The Yankees use the dugout phone to relay information about an opposing club signs during the 2015 and part of the 2016 season constitutes a material violation of the replay review regulations by using the phone in the video review to instantaneously transmit the information regarding signs to the dugout in violation of the regulations. The Yankees were able to provide real-time information to their players regarding opposing clubs sign sequence, the same objective of the Red Sox scheme that was subject of the Yankees complaint. Based on the foregoing, the Yankees are fined hundred thousand dollars, Please sign a check in the amount made payable to Major League Baseball charities to my attention. It will be used for Hurricane Irma relief. Sincerely, Rob Manfred Jr. Um, the Yankees made a statement. I don't even feel the need to say it, but the gist of it is at that point in time, science was utilized as a competitive tool by numerous teams throughout Major League Baseball. It only became legal after the commissioner's specific delineation of the rules on September 15th, 2017. Uh, I guess the main difference here before we get into the Yankees aspect of it, you know, Manfred had said to the athletic in 2020 that the Yankees were using their video room to break down sign sequences during the 2015 and 16 seasons. Um, but he didn't specify that they were using the video room fully to bring information to the dugout uh, and to runners on second base and what became known as the base runner method. Uh, so again, look, I've shit on the Astros a lot and you know, I can't have my cake and eat it too. So I will be the first to admit uh, Yanks. The Yanks were 100% cheating. Uh, yes, yeah. we did it at a time when everybody was cheating and before Manfred explicitly outlawed this. That's why we didn't get the hammer dropped on us. But, yep, we cheated. And the irony is in 2015 and 2016, those are our two worst seasons of the decade. Uh, so it's it's definitely – I think this is just – the letter doesn't mean a whole lot. Not much is going to come from it. 
It's just like you're so stupid. Why do you report cheating cheaters if you're also cheating? I was going to say, that's the funniest part of all this, that they completely played themselves. That's just dumb. That was stupid. But I yeah. don't like, at the end of the day, this doesn't really matter. Like you said, I think this is going to be a nothing report because people know knew that the Yankees were using the video room at one point. Um, and again, you just hope that when people say everybody else was doing it, that that really was the case. Otherwise, uh, I have a lot of apologizing to do to a certain city in Texas. Well, they're America's team, so we, we don't need your apology. That's fine. Yeah, you could tell you could tell me, take your apology, shove it up your ass. Uh, retirement this week, veteran outfielder John Jay at age 37 retired uh, after over a decade in the major leagues. Came up with the Cardinals in 2010. All told was very, very solid in his rookie year, 300, 359, 422. Uh, put the ball in play a ton, 116 WRC+. Plus. Next year, 297 average, 115 WRC+. Plus. Lead off hitter for that Cardinals World Series team. Stuck with the Cardinals for the next four seasons with the team making the postseason in each of them. <clears throat> he underwent surgery prior to the 2015 season and struggled. Uh, at that point, he was traded to the Padres. Bounced back in 2016, hitting 291. Signed with the Cubs in 2017 and had another solid season, hitting 296. It was a journeyman. Royals, D-backs, White Sox, D-backs again, and the Angels last year. Uh, all told, over 1,200 games in 12 seasons. Hit 283, 348, 373 batting line. 37 home runs. Uh, he had 1,087 total hits, 532 runs scored. Saw contributor to an excellent run of Cardinals baseball, won a World Series ring, got his pension. Uh, and I don't have much to say about John Jay other than the fact that uh, the guy put the ball in play a lot, solid defensive outfielder, cool name. And, uh, yeah, he was a big part of those early 2010s Cardinals teams. And congrats to John Jay on a solid career, another part of the solid career club. Yeah, he's a fringe member of the Solid Career Club, if I'm being honest. He, uh, I think the ring and the pension gets him in. For the me. ring, the ring, I, yeah, the ring will put him in. But if it was, but again, good job. Not, nothing to, he, he did his job really well. Like, if you do your job as well as John Jay did his, you should be, you, you can retire proud of yourself. Some injury notes. Uh, Jacob DeGrom had a follow-up MRI on his shoulder, and the team provided report reporters with an update this week. Club said there was considerable healing of the stress reaction on his scapula. Doctors have cleared DeGrom to start loading and strengthening his shoulder, but he will not begin throwing. Uh, the team is likely to send DeGrom for further imaging in the next three weeks, and it is certainly positive to hear considerable healing. Uh, but again, he's not close to the starring program. He's not especially close to returning. But if you're the Mets fan, uh, I guess you take this good news for what it is. I mean, it's definitely good. It, it's good news. It's definitely good news for us. Is it perfect? No, but you know, it's something. They're on the right track. He's Albert, Alberto Mondesi's career with the Royals may be coming to an end. He's a non-tender candidate this year. Uh, and he tore his ACL, so he is out likely until early next season, unless he recovers at Adrian Peterson type speed. You know, Mondesi doesn't put the ball in play a ton, but his MO has always been uh, the steals. He was likely the Bavada elite favor coming into the year to lead Major League Baseball and steals giving his speed. It's why he got drafted so high in fantasy drafts. Uh, so I'll ask you this, with Mondesi out and, you know, our best wishes for him on a quick recovery, who's the new league favorite, in your opinion, to lead baseball and steals this year? It probably would have been a really good bet this offseason or maybe Kakunia. How many steals do you think the lead league, league leader finishes with over under 35 steals? I was, was going to say Acuna can still get to 40. I mean, he okay. came back, got to, he had two his first game back. That answers my question then. Chris Bryant, 10-day injured list uh, with back soreness, should be a short stint. 
Jonathan India back on the injured list with a right hamstring injury. Uh, that move is retroactive to April 30th. They just cannot catch a break. Mitch Hanniger back on the 10th. I think they're just doing it on purpose at this point. No, I think he's actually hurt. He better actually be hurt. I spent the high fantasy pick on him, bastard. Uh, Hanniger on the injured list with a right high ankle sprain. It is a grade two sprain. No timeline yet on his recovery. I feel like Mitch Hanniger is one of those guys when he plays, he hits. He's just always hurt. Dude hits. Dude hits bombs. To his credit, though, I mean, he underwent what might be the most gruesome injury in baseball history. I think he ruptured a testicle. Uh, yeah, stop. Yeah, boy. Too early. Too early for that. Uh, and Eddie Rosario on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to earlier in the week with a blurred vision and swelling in the right eye retina. He underwent laser eye surgery, so that should keep him shelved for a bit. But it's always good to see when you're playing a game where projectiles are thrown that fast. Yeah. When you said it there. I mean, baseballs, they're fast. All right. couple uh, miscellaneous news and the tweets to end the week. Uh, Carlos Correa told Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic this week that he's already expressed interest to Twins president of baseball operations, Derek Falvey, uh, that he would love to sign a longer term deal saying, hey, guys, I know I have opt outs in the contract, but I really like it here. Love the people here. I love the way I'm treated here. I would love to have a long term relationship here if that's what you guys would like. Did that really happen? I mean, he hasn't been playing particularly well. It would just be fascinating after what he set up in the offseason and his free agency. Uh, if the Twins kept his services. But you know what? Look, he becomes the unquestioned leader of that team, uh, and he loves playing with Buxton. I would love playing with Buxton, too. Oh, wait, too. Uh, Correa, I mean, it's – if he's ha- – I mean, again, it's a, if he's happy in Minnesota, he's happy in Minnesota. Yep. Like, I'm not going to tell him that, too. Shout out I to – I kind of like it. Shout it's out like to McGuire to St. Louis, kind of. Really, Sometimes really. it just works. Uh, shout out to Jason Benetti, the 38 year old, uh, voice of the White Sox, who also calls several sports for ESPN. Uh, he is the exclusive voice of Peacock Sunday night baseball games. Uh, Benetti, great story again, you know, overcame cerebral palsy to become, in my opinion, one of sports best up and coming broadcasters. Really happy to hear, see him get this platform. I love Benetti. Uh, an interesting DFA this week designated for assignment. I mean, do you remember when Aristides Aquino came up for the Reds and everybody said he was going to be the next Babe Ruth? This is about where the Reds – the Reds need to do something better. I so, mean, these, at least this is a player that we knew on the team. So he came up August 1st, 2019, and in his first 124 plate appearance, at 15 home runs, 313, 379, 750. Uh, now two and change years later, he got designated for assignment. You know, since the start of 2020, 164, 271, 347. I know asserted somebody who sunk a lot of money into his baseball cards. It's going to be operating at a big loss now. Um, but look, I think somebody will take a flyer yeah. on Aquino because the raw talent and the power we would hope is still there. But it's just amazing. This reminds me almost of uh, remember Brian LaHare for the Cubs. Yeah, I mean people come up high. Like yeah, LaHare made the All Star team his first, you know, after the strength of his first two months, and then we never heard from him again. Yeah, this I, I wonder if it's guys like Aquino. This is where the sports card bubble has to pop eventually, when people just sink a ton of money in these guys who are out of the league two years, or DFA, not even three years later. It's the danger of the long-term contracts to young guys also. I'm saying within the game, with the card industry, of course, you got to be smart speculating, but it goes both ways with real money too. Yeah. Speaking of real money, the Honus Wagner card sold again. This one for $1.528 million in a, after a 17-day auction. Uh, this one is missing three sides, has been trimmed, and has a crease across the middle, and someone still paid one almost $1.6 million for it. Must be nice to have fuck you money. Yeah, I don't really know what you're going to do with that card. 
But I guess you'd rather ha- you'd rather have that worn out baseball card than half than one point five million dollars. It's crazy. All right, tweets of the week. I got a bunch, so I'm gonna run through it. These are from Jason Stark. Uh, I hate the shit on the Reds, but here we are. I actually just got a text from my our friend of the show, Sam Small, saying, "Geez, didn't realize how bad the Reds are." They're bad. Uh, the Reds lost 11 games in a row and never held a lead at, at the end of any inning. Um, that's they're the only other team since 1901 to do that uh, was the 1932 Red Sox. Uh, this year's Orioles started six and six this month in games which they haven't hit a home run, uh, but they were 0-7 in games in which they did hit a home run. That's a crazy statistical anomaly to me, especially in the modern game. The home runs are cool. I like that rewards homers. That's what baseball should want. No, they're 0-7 in the games with home runs. Uh, ooh. It's the opposite of what we would want. <laughs> oh, that's weird. 6-0 and when they didn't home run. That's the only reason I bring it up. Um, that's only happened once since – or that hasn't happened since 1951. Uh, 19 games into the year, Pirates starters um, have won no games this month, and they are the first team in National League history to do so, and the only other team to do that was the 1988 Orioles, who did not have a who did not win any games period until games 22. Uh, so it's always some good facts from Jason Stark here. Uh, this one's from Jose Trevino, New Yankee. I have a lot of gold while I'm here in New York. One of them involves me finding some pizza that Ninja Turtles would eat. I like this Trevino guy. I mean, that's a good goal. It's good to have goals. From the Palm Beach Cardinals, uh, they were the Triple A team that famously kept getting Degrom rehab assignments last year. And yep. they tweeted out, breaking, we scored against an MLB pitcher rehabbing with Dylan Flora on the mound. We take a one nothing lead after an inning. I mean, that was pretty funny when DeGrom just was shutting him down. I you guess know, I'll do it again. You know, you and I both love self-deprecating and making fun of ourselves. Uh, so when Doug Glanville tweeted, Doug Glanville could have gone 0 for 1,536 at the end of his career and still finish as a 200 hitter. Think about that. I chuckled. That's not even that self-deprecating. That's like... That's that's a that's not nothing. What did he end up? What was his average in the career? He ended as a career. He ended as a career two seventy seven hitter. That's not a bad career. From Anthony DeComo, this is the first Mets team in franchise history to win its first six series of the year. Buck has done it right. Uh, we've talked about Carlos Rodon a lot. He now has the most strikeouts in the first four appearances of the season for a Giants since nineteen oh one beating Tim Lincecum, Christy Matthews, and Jonathan Sanchez. Uh, one of our favorite guys to watch over these has been Andrew McCutcheon. He stole his 200th bag this week. Him and Trout are the only active players with 200 homers and 200 steals. Uh, and this is also from Jason Stark with the Pirates. He had 203 home runs uh, and earlier this week had a game-winning two-run single in the ninth against the Pirates. He's the first player to 200-plus home runs for any team to drive in the winning run in the ninth inning or later versus that team since Jim Tomei against the Guardians in 2010. Hmm. Interesting revenge factor there. Yeah, I, I would have thought it happened more frequently. This is from Cespedes Family Barbecue. Congrats to the Bahamas. Uh, Jazz and Lucius Fox um, played against each other in the Marlins Nationals game, and they both appeared in the lineup the first time. Two Bahamian-born players will appear in the same major league game since 1961. Been a while. Overdue. This is when people say Bonds shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I say just listen to this stat. On this day in 1996, past week, Bonds became the fourth player in MLB history with 300 home runs and 300 steals. The consensus is he started taking roids in 97, put the guy in Cooperstown. 
I mean, just put him in. Just put all those guys in. It's they're too important to the history of the game. Giancarlo Stanton this week, seventh fastest player in terms of gains to 350 career home runs uh, behind only Mark McGuire, Juan Gonzalez, A-Rod, Killebrew, Pujols, Babe Ruth, and then Stanton. Uh, look, you can say what you want about Stanton, but if he keeps up his trajectory, you're looking at another Yankee in the hall. I mean, I think he'll get in relatively easily. Yeah, as long as he gets to that magic number. I mean, and I, as long as he stays healthy, he'll be at 500. But the, I mean, he'll hit 500 as a Yankee and – if you hit 500 as a Yankee, you're all there. A guy, a guy who's flown under the radar this year is Joe Ryan of the Twins. He was traded for a half a year in Nelson Cruz. Uh, he has a whip of 0.74 in nine career starts, the lowest whip of any pitcher to start uh, their career in their first nine games. It's Christy Mathewson in 1900. He now is also has the Twins franchise record for the most strikeouts in his first nine career games, 57. Pressing Hall of Famer, Burt Blylevin. I like Burt Blylevin. I bought maybe one the, of his shirts on a Cooper soundtrack. Maybe the Twins made a rare pitching miss on this one, but, or the Rays. But you know what? They have so many, it doesn't matter. It never does. Nothing ever slows them down. Stats by stats. Taylor Ward of the Angels is the second MLB player in the modern era with a double, triple, grand slam, and four-plus runs scored in the game, joining Roger Maris in 1958. Uh, Bryce Harper this past week had his 10-year debut anniversary. He's one of eight players ever with 250 homers, 100 steals, and 750 walks by his 10-year debut anniversary. Joining Mantle, Mike Schmidt, Bonds, Bagwell, Chipper Jones, Mike Trout, and Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, Goldschmidt. He, he's, he didn't see him on that list. Sneaky good career. Uh, from James Smythe, we had a unique box score alert, the baseball version of Scorigami. Bruce Zimmerman this week against the Yanks, four and a third innings pitch, five hits, four earned, four runs, zero earned, one walk, five Ks. This was a first out of the 1.1 million pitching lines in the regular postseason since 1901. I mean, whenever you can compare things to 1901, like that's one of 1.1 million. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. This is uh, some Kevin Gausman love. He's the first MLB pitcher ever in a full month with 30-plus strikeouts, zero walks, and zero home runs allowed. Uh, in 31 and two-thirds innings this season, he's yet to allow a single walk or home run. That puts him in extremely rare company, joining Cy Young as the only starters in the World Series era to begin a season with five consecutive addings of no walks and no home runs allowed. Uh, it's amazing. The Blue Jays let the Cy Young winner walk in Robbie Ray, and Gausman has been better. I mean, has he been better? Ray's been really good. Ray no, has like an seen, ERA in the threes this year. Gausman. I, I, I had the other comparison. I had the Gausman for Rodon. Gausman, we are making literal comparisons with the namesake, Cy Young. Yeah. No, I I, I thought of what's his fit. I thought it was Gausman. Rodon's been good. But again, Gausman, Rodon, and Ray, it's kind of a crapshoot anyway, if you ask. It all depends on the contracts, too, how you look at those. So I'd say like, all three of them were pretty flawed, pretty risky investments. And this is from Jim uh, Passan. Have you ever heard of Chad Cole? Nope. So he's a pitcher for the Rockies. You love Rocktober. Um, he has as many wins on the mound three as the Reds did in all of April. The worst part is they started two and two. It's unbelievable. Um, two history-making shout-outs, and then I'll end with a funny tweet. Uh, the first one, Kelsey Whitmore made history Sunday when she became the first woman to be in the starting lineup for the Atlantic League, uh, playing left field on the batting ninth for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks against the Gastonia Honey Hunters in North Carolina. You and I got to get to a Ferry Hawks game. I mean, I got free time coming up. We'll go see Tehran pitch. Yes, 
then I have a lot of free time coming up. So congratulations to Kelsey on her achievement. Uh, congratulations to Jason Krizen after 11 years and 1,132 games in the minors. Made his major league debut with the Giants Friday night. Two days later, last night, he had his first career major league hit in the fifth inning of the Giants' 11-5 loss to the Nationals at Oracle Park. Always great to see stories like that. A guy who just grinds in the majors, finally gets a shot, and he got a hit. That's something he'll always have. Kudos to him. All right, and our last tweet will be from Bill Simmons. Nobody ever came back from a 3-0 lead in MLB playoff series until A-Rod joined the Yankees. Nobody ever blew three fourth-quarter double-digit leads in the same NBA playoff series before until A-Rod bought the Timberwolves. A-Rod, it's been rough for A-Rod. Tough go for A-Rod. That's all I got for this week's show. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? Yeah, just stay healthy, vaccinated, flu shots. You know, be cool, be cool, be cool. I'm off to Columbus on Thursday or on Friday. Uh, to help my brother graduate. So congratulations to the Ohio State class of 2022. Dr. Strange comes out this Thursday. Very excited for that. I will have a detailed review on the multitude of madness next week. Uh, And perhaps most importantly, you know, for all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. Uh, And I'll end this with a Ralph Kiner quote. Uh, He would always say on this day, Mother's Day, happy birthday to all you mothers out there. So take that advice from Baseball Hall of Famer and uh, wish your moms a happy birthday on Sunday. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Wodorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.